into our relationship to the Lord too often, unfortunately. This morning we continue our series on Cross Church Goes to the Mountains, and we've been, to, been with Noah to Mount Ararat. Uh, we've been with uh, Abraham to Mount Moriah. And this morning we're going to go with Moses to Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai. Now, before Moses comes to this place where he meets with God at Mount Sinai, you remember the story, we'll back up a few years, uh, a good number of years. Moses is a, actually a little Jewish boy, born at a time when the Pharaoh of Egypt is extremely concerned and worried about the foreigners living in his land, namely the Israelites, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he, he makes a decree that all the male babies should be put to death. And Moses' mother and father say, no way are we putting our little one to death. There's no way that that's going to happen. There's no way we're going to allow our little one to die. And so what they do is, is uh, they, they, they create a little ark out of bulrushes and whatnot and, and mud, and they place that little baby in that little ark and let it float on the Nile River. And while Pharaoh's daughter is bathing in the river, up floats a little basket, and inside is this little baby. And instantly her heart is smitten, and she decides she has to have this baby as her very own. In the bush where nobody can see is Moses' sister. And she runs up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, Look, why don't you let my mother take care of this baby until the baby's at the right age where you can, you can actually talk to him and, and enjoy him as a person. And so that's what happens. And at a young age, little baby Moses goes into Pharaoh's household and actually becomes like a son to Pharaoh. He is indeed a prince of Egypt. He doesn't really fully understand who he is or where he's from or the implications until he gets to be quite a bit older. And one day as he is observing his people, the Israelites, being abused, by an Egyptian, Moses feels something within him rise up with, with indignation and he attacks the Egyptian. He strikes the Egyptian down and the Egyptian dies. And now word is out that Moses has killed an Egyptian in favor of one of these filthy Israelites. These filthy second-class slaves, second-class citizens living in the land. Moses knows that his life now is in danger, and he flees. And maybe some of you saw the movie The Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, fantastic. Love that movie. Pharaoh... Uh, loses track of Moses, and Moses loses all contact with Egypt. And uh, he, you, you know the story, he, he comes upon a, a young girl being taken advantage of by these raiders, and he rescues the damsel, and it turns out to be the daughter 
of Jethro, a priest of a Midianite priest. And Jethro is so grateful to Moses for rescuing and saving his daughter that he says, well, I'm going to let you marry her for doing that. Now, if there's any single guys here who are wondering how to get a wife, go find a damsel in distress, and maybe the father will have mercy on you. He marries her and becomes a shepherd. And he thinks, this is what life's about. This is my life. This is my lot in life. And he's about, uh, he's been doing this now, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, growing the family. He's been doing that now for a number of years. Maybe you are one of those people who just, you, you don't know what your life's about, and you've come along this far, and you think, you know, nothing significant's happened, uh, or there has been significant things happening, and you don't understand why these things happened in your life, and you think, you know, I thought, I thought that God was near to me. I thought that God had a plan for me. I thought that God had a purpose, but I don't know where he is, and I don't know what he's doing. Maybe that's you today. You wonder if you have uh, maybe missed out on the best of life. I wonder what Moses must have felt. I wonder if he ever thought back to the days when he lived at the palace, enjoyed unbelievable luxury, luxury that you and I just could not imagine. I wonder if he ever thought back to those days and wondered, you know, if I just kept my cool, I could still be there. I wonder if he ever thought back to the wealth, the fantastic wealth that he had. I wonder if he ever wondered, you know, if only if I'd kept my temper, if I hadn't gotten so indignant, I wonder if I'd still be enjoying the wealth of my homeland. There he is, in the backside of Midian. Where's God? Is this all there is to life? You ever think that? Is this all there is? Surely there's got to be more than this. One day, Moses is out tending his father's sheep, and he sees a flicker of something off in the distance, and he What is that? It's the sheep. Looks at that little glow over there. It's kind of bright. It's kind of strange. Its colors are pretty one-dimensional in the, in the desert, right? But there's a glow over there, and you think, you know, I should go inspect that. I should just go see what that is. He gets a little closer, and he says, well, oh, there's a little fire. Wait a minute. That's odd. That bush is on fire, but it's not burning up. And let's read this passage of Scripture together. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Good, very good. Here I am. Now, I don't want to read that second verse just yet. Let me just stop here. God has called Moses at a time of his life where he certainly did not expect it. He wasn't looking for a call from God. He wasn't expecting a call from God. Nobody had talked to him about a call from God. He hadn't gone to church on Sunday, and the preacher hadn't warned him that a call was coming. There was no prophecy about a call coming. But out of the blue, when Moses least expected it, 
While he was going about his duties, he gets a call from God. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God has called people down through the ages for his purposes and for his plans. Did you know that? And like my question to you this morning is, have you heard the call of God yet? You say, well, Pastor, I'm not Moses. <laughs> I'm, I'm nobody important. I wasn't, I'm not a prince of some foreign land. I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I haven't got royal blood, and I'm, I'm not terribly educated. And Pastor, I, I, this message will be for somebody else this morning. It can't be for me. How many know today that absolutely every single person that God saves, every single person that God calls to be his son or his daughter, has got a special purpose and a special plan? Did you know that today? Let me say it again. Every single person here today, if you have given your life to Christ, if Jesus has saved you for his own, then you've been saved for a purpose. You've not been saved so you can do whatever you please. What God is doing, my friends, in this broken, hurting, run-down, sinful, wicked world is he is calling out for himself his own special agents. Did you know that? And if you have become a Christian, then you have been called to be one of God's special agents, and you have a special task that only you can do. Did you know that? a special task that nobody but you can do. The question this morning is this. Have you said along with Moses, let's try it one more time. Have you said along with Moses? I think God heard that. Have you said that? You see, here's the thing. You may have come to Christ some time ago, some years ago, and it really hasn't been that terribly exciting if anybody wants to know the truth. Well, I dare say that perhaps the reason it hasn't been terribly exciting is because you haven't yet said to the Lord, I'm going to tell you this, when you say, Lord, here I am, then crazy things start to happen. Things that you never dreamed of. Things that you didn't expect. But, but know this. He is calling you. He has called you. And he's waiting for you to respond. Now, I'm going to tell you this. God knows how to get our attention. How many know that today? God knows how to get our attention. When I was just about 23, 24 years old, uh, Gloria's dad had hired me to be the youth pastor uh, and to marry his daughter. <laughs> and after, no, uh, that's, that's not true. He just hired me to be his youth pastor. Uh, and after I'd been there just not that long, uh, Pastor Hausen resigned. And I was called to be the interim pastor. Anybody know what an interim pastor is? That means being a pastor in a no-man's land. And it uh, means you've got no authority but all the responsibility <laughs> to keep that, keep that place going. And so that's what I had to do. Just a kid. Just a, just a young kid responsible for that place. I'm going to tell you, up until that point, I had a perfect driving record. 
Never a drive, never a speeding ticket, Jesse. Never. Uh, <laughs> uh, never an accident. At that time, I discovered what stress was. How old were you when you discovered what stress was? And I remember uh, being so uptight all the time. I remember one, one winter, uh, just, just almost exactly the time that I took on the responsibility of interim pastor, I was driving down the perimeter, um, the west perimeter. I don't know if anybody knows Roblin and, and, and the perimeter, what the highway gets like there. It's a skating rink. And uh, I, was, I was just moving along, just moving along, because I had things to do, places to go, people to meet. I, I didn't have time to slow down for, for just because there's a bit of snow and ice on the ground, right? And all of a sudden, my car went into a spin. And I'm, I'm, I'm spinning around and around and around, right down the perimeter. And finally, I was stopped by hooking my bumper on an RCMP vehicle. <laughs> uh, and I came to a stop, minus a bumper. And I said, God, what is going on here? I'm your servant. I'm a pastor. I've, I've been ordained. I'm Reverend Allen Fencalf, Lord. What's going on around here? I get a knock on my window, RCP officer, don't get out of your car. Stayed in my car, took down the particulars. I was done. Picked up my bumper, put it in the trunk of my car, got home to my parking stall, Lockstall. Lived in an apartment block, took my bumper, stuck it in the snow, in front of the car. <laughs> I knew where my stall was, very easy to see. So did everybody else. There's the pastor's parking stall. <laughs> About uh, two weeks later, I'm coming out from a, an alley. Again, my mind is, I don't know where it is. It's off in, in who knows where. And I'm, I stop like you're supposed to. And then I put my foot on the gas without really looking. <laughs> Just mechanically driving. Anybody know what it's like to mechanically drive? Not really pay attention to what you're doing. Anybody like that? Anybody? Any, yeah, anybody? Yeah, you're, you're, you're not too proud or you're brave, <laughs> brave enough to admit that. And boom, off came the back bumper. Picked that up, put it in my trunk. <laughs> I got home and stuck that in the snow. <laughs> I've got two bumpers. <laughs> And I'm saying, God, what is going on? How many know that God knows how to get our attention? And, he's, and, and God spoke to my heart. He said, Alan, if you are going to be in this for the long haul, you are going to have to learn how to meet with me and get strength from me. That was a turning point in my life. And all it cost was two bumpers and a few demerits. <laughs> I wonder this morning, is God trying to get your attention? There's things happening in your life and you just think, man, this doesn't make sense. I'm a child of God. I've been born again. I've been baptized. Is God trying to get your attention? Is God speaking to your heart? Is he calling you? 
And are you willing to say... Because I'm going to tell you this, God will not leave you alone until you say, here I am. I'm listening, Lord. Jonah was called to go preach the gospel to the Ninevites, and he said, I'm not going there. You ever said that to God? I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. You've got to be kidding. I'm not doing that. Well, somebody else can do it. Some other, some other sucker do that. And God says, Jonah, you can run, but you cannot. And so then, uh, Jonah says, well, let's see, I'm supposed to go that way. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to get on a boat. I'm going to get far away from where God wants me to be. And you know the story storms come up. Finally, it's determined that Jonah is the cause of the storm. They throw Jonah overboard, and Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. It says fish, fish. Okay, well, whatever. He gets swallowed. Guess what? Do you think that God has got Jonah's attention now? Do you think Jonah is willing to listen to what God has to say to him now? I want to tell you something right now. Jonah is one of God's special agents, and God has a purpose for his life. Just as God has a purpose for your life. And the question is this. Are you prepared? Are you willing to respond to that call on your life? Are you willing to say, God, here I am. Moses did. He said, God, here I am. And once, once God got Moses' attention, he goes on to say this, do not come any closer, God said. Read that with me. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, this is something that I've always sort of tried to wrestle with. What is this? Why, why take off your sandals? I mean, it wasn't like he, the, Moses was entering into a, into a mosque or entering into someone's living room where his shoes were dirty. He had to take them off. He was already outside. He was all, his feet were already dusty and dirty. What is, what is it that God wants from Moses? Well, let me ask you this. Has anybody ever tried to walk over gravel and bare feet? You tried that? with bloody results. (laughs) God is saying this to Moses. Moses, now that I have your attention, you and I have to have a chat. Moses, take off your, your shoes because I want you to understand this. You are going nowhere until I'm done with you. What we're talking about, my friends, is coming into that holy place, that place of meeting with God. That place where you say, God, now it's time for me to listen and to hang on every word that you have to say. I take my shoes off and I wait. I wait till you're done with me. Do you understand this this morning? That God is calling you into that quiet place, into that meeting place, a place where you take off your sandals or turn off your cell phone, turn off the house phone, turn off the stereo, turn off your iPod, turn off anything else that's technical, that buzzes, that beeps, that turns, that whirls, turn it off. 
and be quiet in the presence of Almighty God. You see, here's the thing, my friends. Whenever God chooses to meet with us, He requires our full attention. He requires that we come to Him recognizing who He is and that He is not going to settle for your second best. How many know that today? God does not settle for second best. He doesn't settle for your scraps. He doesn't settle for part of your attention. It's all or nothing. And this is what holiness is. This is exactly what holiness is. The place you're standing is holy ground. The place that you're standing is a place that requires 100% attention to God Almighty. And so with those sandals off, Moses is not going to be tending to his sheep. Wolves may come, bears may come, lions may come, and they lived in that part of the world at that time. And guess what's more important than his sheep? God. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because more important in your life, the most important thing in your life has got to be God. God has got to be more important to you than your wife, your children, your husband, your job. It's got to be more important than anything. And God calls you to come take off your shoes so that you'll go nowhere and do nothing else and hear nothing else. He wants your full attention. Because he is holy. Because he is set apart as being different from all the things in this world. And here's the thing. When you're meeting with God, God's got to have your full attention. And for some of us, it's been a long, long time since we went to that quiet place to meet with God. It's been a long time since we have shut ourselves in with God. And this is... This is uh, this is what Jesus teaches his disciples. Go to your closet and pray. Go to that quiet place of meeting with God. We find Jesus doing this, don't we? Now, if Jesus has to get alone to be with the Father, to pray, and to meet with him and to hear his voice, how much more do you and I need to take that time to meet with God? And because he's holy, he requires that you give him your 100% attention. It means that you do not divide your attention between anything or anyone else. I want you to know this this morning. When you understand the importance of setting yourself apart for God, from setting yourself apart so that you are not like the world, that you do not treat God as though he were just another distraction, another, another thing on the to-do list. You begin to respect him for who he is, the awesome creator of the heavens and the earth, the awesome giver of your salvation, the one who has given you eternal life. Does he not deserve your full attention? Does he not deserve your holiness? So what does that mean, Pastor? Well, it very simply means this, being set apart, being set apart for him. That word holy means to be pure. That word holy means to be 
absolutely without stain, without blemish. It means perfection. And here's the thing. If you're going to be used by God, if you're going to say, God, I'm showing up for duty, here am I, use me, then you've got to say, God, I'm willing to be set apart for your purpose and for your plan. I'm willing to become different from the world that I live in. And you want to know what's wrong with the church in North America? Is that we're no different than the people that we live with and dwell with. And there needs to be a distinction. There needs to be something different because God has called us his holy ones. Does this make sense? You need to be different. And if you're going to be used by God, then you need to be set apart as being different. What would people say about you? Would they call you different? Not in a bad way, but in a good way. Different in the sense that you don't, you don't use the language that other people use. You're not negative like other people. You don't have the same addictions or habits that other people have. You stand out. Your face shines. You radiate the glory of God. This is what God's looking for in us. Take off your sandals and dwell in the presence of the Almighty. Robert Murray McShane, the great missionary, the last or two centuries ago, he said this, it's not great talents that God uses or blesses so much as a great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. My friends, it does, God's not looking for degrees and for special training at Bible college. What he's looking for is for people who will say, God, here am I, I'm showing up for duty, and I want to be like you. Moses, after, after hearing the call and saying, here I am, he meets with God, takes off his shoes, and here's a call to holiness, being set apart for God. That's what holiness is, set apart for God. And when he's done that, then, then God gives him a task to do. And look at that verse there. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, God says, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses now is standing back and saying, God, you've got to be kidding. You're calling me to go back to the land that I ran away from 40 years ago? God says, yeah. Moses says, God, you must have got your lines crossed. You don't, have you seen my birth certificate? <laughs> I'm 80 years old. Do we have any 80-year-olds here? I know one in the back there who's just going like this. Uh, 80 years old. Do you know that Moses is 80 years old when his ministry begins? Now, I'm going to say there's no excuse for anybody here today. No excuse. Moses is 80 years old, and he's saying, God, you want me, let me get this right, you want me to go to Pharaoh, the greatest king in the world, the wealthiest king with the greatest armies, you want me to go to Egypt, and you want me to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Is that right, God? And God says, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> 
you, you got it. God, this is an impossible task. And God says, yeah, that's right. It is impossible. How many know that passage of Scripture? With man, it is, with man, it is impossible. With, all thi- with, with God, all things are possible. Can't you just see Moses thinking, I'm too old. I've got a wife and kids, what I do with them? I've got grandkids now. I'm, I don't have any money. I'm not don't have anything. I, I don't have an army. Don't have any soldiers. I, I, and Moses goes on to tell God, 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 I can't even speak very well. I'm a terrible speaker. I, I get, I, I stutter. I get my words mixed up. How many have tried to make excuses to God? <laughs> you want to make God laugh? Tell him a few excuses. God, I can't do this. I can't do this task that you've called me to. God says, Moses, I've got everything under control. I've got every, everything figured out. I'm going to send Aaron along with you, your brother. He's going to be your mouthpiece. He's going to speak on your behalf for those times when you feel you can't talk. And God will not take no for an answer. What task is God calling you to? And I know that God has called you to a task. I know that. There's, there's not a person here today who has not been called to a task, a special calling. It may be as a prayer warrior. You remember me telling, me, telling you about my grandfather, about age 96. I find him in his room praying, and he's, I said, Grandpa, why are you crying? He said, because I'm, I'm interceding. My grandfather was grade three education. I didn't know he even knew that word. <laughs> interceding. Who are you interceding for? He says, I've got a job to do. I've got to pray for my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And as long as I have breath within me, I have a job to do. I'm going to pray. This is my task. I can't do anything else, but this I can do. I can pray. What's your task? What's the calling that you feel God has put on your life? I see Mark sitting there. God has put it in his heart to be an actor, to use his acting gifts for the glory of God. It seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I see Allison sitting here to my left. We had a, a meeting, coffee time this week. And she uh, told me some of the details of the trip that she'll be taking. She's not even at retirement age yet, but she's worked hard enough and long enough where she can retire. To do what? To go and rough it in the bushes of Africa. It seemed impossible, and yet, September 28th, Allison gets on a plane and heads off to Mongo in Zambia. And I said to Allison, what will you be doing? 
Will you be working in a hospital? Oh, no, I'll be out in the bushes in the backside of the country. I said, oh, where all the snakes are. And all the other wonderful little creatures. Yes. And you never saw anyone so happy and so excited in all your life as this young lady. And I say young lady because she's got lots of years of service left in her. Willing to say, God, hear my, use me. Answering the call. She's been given a task. What's God calling you to do? Maybe right now in your life, it's just to be a fantastic father that leads his children in a relationship, a vital relationship to God. Maybe it's to be a mother who's faithful, leading her children in prayer in a relationship with God. Maybe that's the task right now. Maybe you're a retirement age and you say, you know what, I've got time now to give my life. I can go, I can go and do a missions trip. If somebody would have told me 20 years ago that my brother would be called to go to the mission field, I would have laughed hysterically because my brother needs two or three showers a day. He's a, show, he's a soapaholic. <laughs> and uh, I, I just never could have seen it. And yet, some of you know that we met with uh, missionary Sergio Bersaglio, Carrie, Carrie, Mary Jane, and I. Carrie's got a plumbing company. And Sergio says, oh, we could use you. And my brother says, for what? He says, well, we need a, we need a new water system in one of our villages. And my brother <laughs> says, yes. I almost choked on my eggs and bacon. <laughs> yes. And I got an email just yesterday from Sergio saying, tell your brother we're ready for him. When my brother started his business, he said it wasn't to get rich but it was so that I could be a blessing and so I could help and serve others. And my brother, through his business, has given literally tens of thousands of dollars to the work of helping others. What's the task that God's called you to? And will you say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. You know, I hear so many people say, you know, I just, if God would just bless me, if God would just pour out the blessing, then I would do what he wanted. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. First comes the call, and God waits for your answer. Here I am. Then comes that meeting where he calls you to be set apart for his purposes, to be holy. And then comes the task. And Moses, what does he do? He gets his sandals on, and he heads back to Egypt. No army, no money, no wealth, just God. Now, how many know today that you and God are a majority? It's all you need. Are you willing to say, God, here am I? I will get involved in Sunday school. I'll get involved in kids' club. I'll get involved ushering, collecting money. I'll get involved greeting people and saying hello. I'll get involved. I'll do. I'll serve. Wherever God needs me, I will serve. Will you say, yes, Lord? Here am I. Use me. Yes, Lord. 
Let me just show you this video clip and then we'll close. Let's stand together and pray. Father, Father, we want to just commit ourselves to you right now. Father, we want to surrender to you and to say, here I am, Lord. I want to be used by you. God, help each one of us to recognize today that we've been saved for a purpose. We've been saved for a plan. Moses was saved from death as a baby for a purpose. Help us to see that today, God, that each of us has been saved for a purpose. And God, I pray that each one here would say, Lord, here am I. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm willing to go where you want me to go. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Yes, Lord, I'm willing to be the one you want me to be. Give me the grace, Lord. Give us the grace. Give us your spirit to quicken us and strengthen us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me.